opportunity to talk to Laura Eskide over Zoom video. Laura was the world's first Ableton certified trainer that happened back in 2008. And she's also became one of the most in-demand live show designers there is on the planet right now. She's worked with some of the biggest artists on the planet. Everyone from Logic to Kanye West to American Idol. As well as composed and performed string arrangements, she's a fantastic violin player for Kanye and Jay-Z. She founded Electronic Creatives, which is an Ableton certified training center where she trains and helps produce some of the most talented music programmers and controllists in the industry. Laura tells us where she was when the pandemic hit, how that affected her, especially with her company, which has a lot to do, obviously, with live shows and live performances. And she also talks to us a lot about her brand new record. You can watch her interview with Laura Escude on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Laura Escude. So this podcast is all about you, your journey in music, and how you got to where you are now. Awesome. Hey. Sweet. Um, first of all, tell me, where were you born and raised? I, well, I was born in Florida, but I was a military brat. So I moved around quite a bit, spent a lot of my formative years up in Connecticut and Rhode Island and went back to school down in Florida and have been in LA for the past 17 years. Wow. Okay. So you grew up mainly there in Florida then like you're what high school middle school years or uh actually in rhode island oh okay uh, yeah yeah so it's kind of funny people are like well you're from florida i'm like well i was born there but then i didn't live there you know from age two to 18 so oh and then from 18 you moved back yeah yeah, yeah. Then i went back to gotcha. college there so okay. i claim florida though as a, as a state <laughs> Very cool. well what was it like growing up in rhode island tell me about that a little bit yeah, you know, just very small. Um, I was living in the smallest state. Newport, Rhode Island is a very small little town. It's very quaint. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, I learned a lot in my formative years there, but uh, it was definitely a lot smaller than, you know, the big city of Los Angeles. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, yeah. Well, how did you how did you get into music? So I um, originally was just, you know, a violinist. I uh, discovered a girl playing violin in my church and just was taken by her and by it and fell in love with it and then got into producing music in college and um, playing violin with DJs and electronic artists and things like that. Oh, cool. So that's how you kind of blended the two. Yeah. Like. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the violin, how old were you when you started playing violin? I was six. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Did you play yeah. that all through like middle school, high school, like in the school orchestra or anything? Yeah, I did. I played in the orchestras and in the, you know, the Rhode Island Youth Philharmonic and things like that. So it was definitely way into the classical scene. That's cool. I love the pink violin you have right there. That's oh, so thank nice. You. I love like the how it kind of fades out to like the black color. That's really <laughs> cool. I've, I've never seen a violin like that before. Yeah, it's a special violin that I made had made for me by this company called Glasser. Um, it's actually a baritone violin, so it sounds like a cello when you play it because the strings are extra thick. Oh, wow. That's yeah. A, that's really cool. Yeah, I, I love the color of it. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Um, so you went to school in Florida for music production or for, did you go for violin? I went for violin. Mm -hmm. And then around my junior year, I started, you know, getting into music production, but there wasn't that much of a, um, it weren't very many classes for that, but I did take a few classes. Um, it wasn't until after I got out of college that I really started to get into the production side of things and live performance side of things. Okay. And you're like a master of it now. I mean, you're, <laughs> you were like the first, what, first Ableton certified trainer? Yeah, I was. Uh, back in 2008, I actually was working at Ableton um, in 2007, 2008. And they decided to start the certification program. And so I um, jumped on that and, you know, became became certified at the time. It didn't really mean anything. But then, you know, as the program grew in popularity and people started finding out about it and falling in love with it more, it became, you know, it became a thing for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's like the biggest thing, ever, I mean, right now, right, as far as music production and like recording goes. It is. Yeah, it is. It's one of, you know, there's definitely other software programs out there that are used, but I think for live performance, especially Ableton is, you know, the only game in town. <laughs> sure. sure. Kind of outshined what Pro Tools a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Pro Tools is, is a great program for recording and mixing. Um, and, you know, a lot of people use it for recording and mixing, um, but it's not made to be a live performance software. So. Got you. Okay. Um, well, how did the, like, tell me, where'd you go? Like from, from going to school in Florida, like how'd you get to LA and like, what was kind of your path? Yeah. So, um, I graduated from, from school and I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do. I, you know, was kind of saw how much money I would make as a violinist in a symphony and, um, you know, local symphony and it wasn't that much money. So <laughs> I, uh, started looking into like music business and just different, uh, different career paths. And um, yeah, I had some friends that wanted to move out to LA. And so we decided to move out here and then, um, yeah, just kind of worked my way up the, the ladder as they say, and, you know, just got jobs and yeah, started working. Were you working as like a studio musician or like a live musician for artists or like, what was the first kind of gig you got when you got there? Yeah, well, so the first gig that I got was being an extra in uh, talk shows. So Really? That's cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was just random. I mean, at the time, I was kind of just doing whatever I could find. Um, and then, you know, I was working over at Hans Zimmer's studio a bit. Um, wow. You know, doing some, like, assisting to composers over there. But I was really looking for a full-time job. And um, I got a job doing tech support at this company called M-Audio. And uh, they make, you know, keyboards and sound cards and things like that. And um, so once I got the job at M-Audio, that kind of led to working with Ableton and a bunch of different things. Yeah. Okay. And then did that lead to working, you know, you, you do what a lot of like live, like show design, right? Like, tell me, tell me about like mm -hmm. what you do for, you know, some of these huge artists. Yeah, so um, I, I think the first big show that called me was Cirque du Soleil, and that was in 2009. And I moved out to Vegas and worked on their Viva Elvis show for a few months. And that was really, you know, life-changing wow. for me. Yeah, I didn't know that, you know, that was a job that, you know, that you could get hired to go work on a show. And then after that, you know, started getting more and more calls and then, you know, ended up working with Kanye's engineer who 
then brought me in and ended up touring with him for like seven years. And so, um, yeah, it was just kind of a seamless sort of experience. Um, but I really didn't know at the time that it was even a job. Right. Uh, So how did you get in with the Cirque du Soleil? Uh, they literally just found me online, you know, because I was a certified trainer and, you know, they, um, yeah, just found my name. So they hit me up. Oh, they found that you're certified trainer in Ableton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then they said, Hey, do you want to come? What be a sound designer for our, our production? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. They were like, you know, do you want to come move to Las Vegas? And the term is actually show programmer in that respect and, you know, program the sounds and things like that. So um, that's what I did for that show. And then I came back to L.A. at the end of that. So that was just a couple of months. Okay, so you did that for a couple of months and then eventually did the, the Kanye gig. Was that kind of shortly after that or? That was a, I mean, I started working with them in 2009, but I didn't go out on tour until 2011. Okay. Yeah. And like, what would you do as far as you, you ran Ableton for them? Like I'm, I'm, I'm wanted to kind of you to clarify like what your your, your role was. Like, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, with every artist, it's a little bit of a different set of circumstances. So for Kanye, I was, um, editing and playing back all of his music tracks in Ableton, as well as doing things like his auto tune and um, vocal effects in mm-hmm. live in real time. Um, so, but it's different with every artist. Some artists, you know, there's just music playback. Some it's it's designing the whole show. Like with someone like Porter Robinson, I took his whole set and we designed it so that he could, you know, play his show from front to back with different instruments and controllers and things like that. And that was super fun. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. Just depends on the artist really. And do you work like directly with them to kind of figure out the best approach? And like, like I would imagine like they'd have to give you their set list and you'd have to kind of run through how it's supposed to work. Like, like yeah, that- yeah, that's the idea. So, I mean, it's, with the artist and most oftentimes musical director. Sometimes I act as a musical director too with, you know, other artists, but um, yeah, just, you know, usually a team of people trying to figure out uh, what the flow of the show is going to be like. Cause there's also like, you know, lighting designers and visual designers and creative directors and all that. So really it takes just getting in a room with folks and discussing, um, yeah, what the flow is going to be and what the music and how, how to reflect that flow with the, the music. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people are aware that there's like this huge team kind of behind the scenes. Like, yeah, like Kanye doesn't just come out and somebody pushes play on his like like a DJ doesn't just throw like the instrumental of his record on and he goes yeah. out and, and kind of does his thing. I mean, there's a whole crew like right really behind the scenes to all these artists right that have playback yeah 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 yeah. i mean at a certain point you know when artists get to be at a certain level like logic is a good example of this Mm -hmm. you know he um became really big a few years ago he had a hit song and you know uh he had had a dj and that was great for that time and then you know once you get to a certain level you start wanting to have a click in your ears. You start wanting to, you know, hear your lead vocals louder than other things, you know, so there's just like a mixed thing that is to consider. And then also just to be able to make changes and edits um, 
during the show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when you just have like an instrumental of the track, it, that's not going to cut it. Also, it doesn't sound very good because whoever's mixing front of house um, can't separate out the bass from the drums, you know? And so that's really important part of my work. Oh, sure. Separate all of those stems as they're called out for whoever's mixing either in ears, which is monitors or whoever's mixing front of house um, so that they can have more control so that sonically it can sound better to everyone on stage and in the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it does take a lot. I mean, that's why you hear when a band comes out, there's, they're doing the kick drum on the drums or the snare. And like the, there's a guy in the front really like mixing everything. Right. And mm-hmm. as well as somebody behind the scenes mixing what everyone on the stage is hearing and mm-hmm. what's coming through the monitors. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of ears and eyes on what it, what is kind of happening there. there on the stage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Like what, what level does, I mean, I, w- I would assume that uh, artists would have to get to a certain level before the, like a team was behind them. Like, what would you say that level would, you know, be, I mean, you don't probably only work with like top, top artists, I would assume. Right. I mean, I work with all artists to be honest. I mean, anyone who i vibe with who you know has a budget that wants to work with me (laughs) that's like i've created a lot of programs for artists to learn how to do what i do as well just to you know help independent artists but yeah i mean i work with artists of all different you know calibers and and you know genres and everything so it doesn't it doesn't really matter to me but you know i did spend a lot of years working with really big artists it's true mm-hmm. and you know um i would say like yeah now that shows are starting to come back it'll be interesting to see you know how many artists are having playback and you know what the deal is there yeah i i i, I talked to a few people that have a band they're all kind of playback people or, or techs for fallout boy was a big one and they you mm-hmm. were talking about and Slipknot, they kind of how they, we had a conversation about what happens behind the scenes, but then it was like, now they have a band kind of together because there wasn't a whole lot of stuff going on during the past year and a half. Cause that, that was like their livelihood. Right. I mean, a lot of people who are the stage hands and behind the scenes that aren't getting residual money from the record are, yeah. were kind of sitting on their hands. Um, yeah. I know that you kind of made a class, right? Was that all done behind, like within the past year? You have a, a class teaching like Ableton Live? I have a few things. Yeah. So all of this was created uh, several years ago. Okay. Um, the Master Track is um, my company, Electronic Creatives, is a course for people that want to learn how to do playback specifically. So it's more geared for folks that um you know aren't going to be on stage that are you know fine to be off stage in a more of a technical role doing the playback doing the programming now the lines can get blurred you know with that role like i toured with miguel as his dj doing playback on stage you know and opening for him for a while so like there's certain artists that i've worked with where it can be combined but a lot of times you know the role is such a big role and you know artist whoever's doing it needs to pay attention to it fully so it needs to be off stage um so master track is just more about just just playback and um transmute is more about live show design for artists so artists that want to create and work with all the technology to create their own personal live show 
um, because, you know, independent artists don't have a budget to hire someone like me to go on tour with them. And, right. You know, pay for flights and buses and, you know, just all of that stuff is very expensive. Um, so I just created Transmute as a way to help artists to get to the that level where I'm at quicker because it took me so long to like learn all these things. And I just decided, well, I'm going to distill it down into a course and help help people learn. I love that. So th this is built and designed for smaller artists to kind of fill in that sound to make it they could like they can achieve the level of logic or as far as like an alive yeah. setting it's different, it's different. It, like so like an artist like logic you know he's rapping on stage but mm -hmm. he's not like i mean he does actually make beats on an mpc too but that's like not the main you know source of what he does on stage he's like the entertainer um and then you know there's a lot of artists like myself you know i'm an independent artist and when i perform live i'm for playing violin and looping and things like that. And so I just wanted to be able to help other artists learn how to do fun things like manipulate their voice and loop and do fun stuff on stage. That's cool. I really yeah, like thanks. that. Thanks. And as an independent artist, I did read that you, you know, you kind of overexerted yourself, right? And was that what kind of led into this new record? Yeah, I mean, so that was like five years ago. I was touring a lot and just, you know, kind of, as my mom likes to say, burning the candle at both ends. And sure. Um, yeah, my body was just like, no, you got to slow down. So, so I did. And that, you know, kind of changed a lot for me. And I started the Transmute Retreat after that, um, which led to Transmute Accelerator Online. So, yeah. It's been, um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a cool journey since then to kind of go deeper into myself and healing and, you know, my wellness and all of that. Cause when you're touring and it's groundhog day every day and, you know, um, it can be hard to take care of yourself on the road. Yeah. I can't even imagine. It's gotta be, you know, you're in another city in another part of the country every single day. Right? Yeah. 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 You're either on the bus or sound checking or running a show or mm -hmm. and then then you gotta what go to bed wake up the next morning and all over again yeah yeah totally so wow and you you so you were you were always writing your own solo stuff during this period of time or like were you having to put that to the side a bit while doing the big you know big tours with kanye or logic or whoever yeah i mean I was always writing my own music. Um, in fact, like when I would tour, I would book my own shows on days off, like in Europe and Australia. And, you know, oh, that's cool. You're the second person that's told me that they did that when they're on a tour that kind of uh, piggybacked on like a bigger tour, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I had some great experiences. Like I, you know, played at some festival in Australia in, in my off day and some random guy, <laughs> called Muzz picked me up and took me out into the the bush. <laughs> so it was great. You know, I had a lot of cool experiences. Yeah. So I would say like everything that I do as an artist has kind of been intertwined with the artists that I work with. Like I, you know, worked with Herbie Hancock on his show and uh, yeah, took like what I do as an artist and really developed it for him and kind of tailored it to what he wanted to do live. Um, Cause he was just a one person on stage as well one one man band so yeah so that was really cool uh to be able to do things like that and so yeah i just feel like 
you know, I've always had my passion for my music and um, I've learned so much about working with these artists, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been well, amazing. Where were you at when this, the virus kind of hit like in November, I mean, like yeah. March, 2020, were you working with somebody on the road? Were you doing play yeah. with somebody? I actually, so I, you know, mostly quit touring five years ago to focus on my personal music and okay. transmute. And, um, you know, I still do work with artists, but, um, you know, I don't like tour tour anymore. So I was actually in LA and, um, I remember I had just gone up to Santa Cruz to do a presentation, um, you know, at this company called universal audio. And, uh, I just remember we were all talking about it and it just seemed really strange. I was like, okay, like, should we not be talking to each other in person or like what's going on now? And then it was like the next week, literally everything shut down. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of the last thing that I did. I remember coming back and, you know, everything getting shut down. Wow. And then were you able to, cause I know you have a bunch of like how to videos on YouTube. Were you able to work on a lot of those? I mean, those are incredible for people Thank you. that want to learn Ableton or learn how to do aspects of, of recording and, and producing because I mean, somebody, if you don't know how to make, you know, whatever machine drums and you want to put it on a acoustics on your road, like, how would you even go about that? They can use your videos. Is that? Yeah, I, I definitely made a lot of content um, during the pandemic and did a lot of live streaming and a lot of Zoom calls and a lot of performing online and yeah, a lot of growing transmute, which is really beautiful. And so, um, yeah, helped, you know, hundreds of artists with their live sets and level up their live streaming through the pandemic. So that was, you know, and created my new EP. And so that was largely how I spent the time. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about the new EP. Yeah. So it's called Enoughness and uh, it came out in May. And basically it was just a born out of, you know, my, my health and wellness journey part two through the pandemic. And yeah, just uh, this, you know, realized how many of us kind of feel like we aren't enough and we've been conditioned from an early age to, um, to feel that way about ourselves. And so this music was really like an ode to myself and hopefully to other people to remind them, remind us all that we are enough and that we can achieve the the things that we put our minds to. Um, so I think that that's a, you know, mindset has been something that I've worked on a lot for the past couple of years. Cause I feel like that's the main thing that, you know, holds people back from achieving and receiving the love that they want. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful record. Um, I love how you kind of mix the, like we were saying earlier, the classical stuff that you were probably born or not born, but raised on as, with a, as a violin player. And then this electronic sound that you mm-hmm. weave together. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm curious about, you still have your, you have a, the Ableton live class still, are you still doing that? I mean, you have a class coming up, right? Where you, where you, tell me about yeah. this class where you, you let, it's almost like a master class in the sense that big artists will kind of join you and, and chime in on, on how their, their creative process in this goes. Can you explain this a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, uh, so transmute is the the program. Um, so it's the transmute Academy is the mm-hmm. Academy and that's free for anyone to join. And there's, you know, free courses and stuff in there. Um, but the transmute accelerator is an eight week course for 
artists to learn how to use Ableton and all the technology to level up their live show. So it's really like all of the ninja tricks that I've discovered through working with these artists. And yeah, I do have artists come in and show their live setups. And so that's really fun. And you get to, they kind of, you can kind of learn what gear to buy and like how to run how to certain together, gear. how to loop your instrument and your, or your voice, how to add effects, like how to add lighting and video and all that good stuff. Wow. So it's really a way to step up your, your live game. And especially right now, right? I mean, there's still probably a lot of, there's still some time. A lot of shows aren't quite happening yet. People are booked out or mm -hmm. shows are booked out through next, you know, 2022, because everyone's kind of like trying to get their rescheduled dates in. Totally. It's the perfect time to really take that class and up your game because you have time to really perfect it, I would think, at this point. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it is. A lot of people think think it is as well. We have a, have had a really good response. Um, I think, you know, as things are starting to open up again, people are, you know, starting to kind of invest in, in live shows again, which was, is really great because you know, it's just my, has been my world and live performance is everything to me. And I know to a lot of people as well, it's been really hard to not be able to go to a show for so long. So. Was that difficult right away when the kind of the pandemic hit, were you freaking out at all? Like, okay, now I can't play live. Like what? It was more know, like my business, you know, cause like everything could just kind of completely fell away. Uh, like all the shows in one day, it was like, wow, what is going on? Right. Um, but, you know, to be honest, at first I was kind of like happy in a way because I got to slow down. It was just like, a you know, didn't have any choice about it. Then after a while, I got antsy and I was like, OK, I'm ready for shows again. So yeah. it's been a progression. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And you talked about doing live streams. Were you able to play this record out? At all oh, yeah. Been done on, a lot online. of live streams and like, yeah, Zoom performances and talks and things like that. Are you excited to get out and play like in front of people like physically? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything yeah. scheduled coming up? I have something in October in LA, um, which I'm excited about. It's like my first uh, quadraphonic performance. So, wow, that'll be that. exciting. And yeah, it'll it'll probably be. I mean, people are going to be at their first shows for the first time in a year and a half. I mean, yeah. you can imagine the emotional experience that will be. Like. I know. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild for sure. <laughs> well, that's really exciting. And I appreciate you chatting with me today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I do have one more question for you, Laura, before I let you go. Yeah. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Um, my main advice is to find your own sound. You know, I think a lot of artists, and especially when you first are starting out, like it's great to try to sound like other artists and be inspired by other artists. Um, and I think it's great to actually be inspired by different artists in different genres, you know, cause then you kind of put them together and it sounds like you. And um, I think that's just the main thing when someone can listen to a song and it just, definitely sounds like you that's that's you know when you've got something really good going on so i think just being as unique as possible and